This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. There we are. Look at that. This is the closest I came to. It was 6.59 and probably seconds, but that's okay. Good job. Good that was job. the best I've ever done. What are you drinking there, Yael? I made myself a bourbon with some soda. Wow, she's a and serious woman. Yeah. She said to me, is it okay if I drink before, before the show? I said, before, during, and after. You're going to need to drink, right? I'm yeah, very nervous. Is, you know, I need some uh, liquid courage. This is the after-hour show. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I, All right, so why don't we do the intro? Um, welcome, everybody who's tuning in tonight to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. My name is Mark DeMeo. I'm your host. I'm here with my uh, partner, my uh, in all things law enforcement, uh, the very handsome Bill Cannon. What's up, Bill? Doing well, doing well. Do you believe the pretty girl? I, uh, I can't even say that. Sorry, that showed my age. <laughs> I can't say the pretty girl. This pretty lady that I have on the show, be invited to the show. And she's got yeah, brains great. too. Look, she even showed us her books in the background. Yeah, it's my like, I color coded them uh, during quarantine. Do you like that? I, I love it. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Um, <laughs> why don't we why don't we introduce a Bill, our guest tonight? Um, she's coming to us live all the way from where are you, Yael? New York City, uh, the dangerous mean streets of the Upper West Side. Oh yeah, yeah, they're getting bad. Yeah, our guest tonight, she's coming to us from the dangerous mean street of the Upper West Side. Her name is <laughs> Yael Bartour. Did I say it right? Close enough. Oh. Yael. 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 I listened to it too. I looked it up and I listened to it and I still... Uh, she's a digital uh, strategist for law enforcement um, as well as the private sector. She's got quite the business going on there. And um, we're excited to have you here tonight. Thanks for having me. I feel like I've made it. I'm like on this super policey podcast, you know? You're on, you're on your way. You're definitely on your way. <laughs> I feel like I fit in. People beg us to come on police off the cuff. And, it's, not, it's nothing but up from here. We're not below taking bribes either. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you got no place to go but up from here. That's All right. right. Let's do it. So tell us a little bit about what it is that you actually do. What is a strategist? A digital strategist? Digital strategist. So, um... First of all, I guess a little bit about what I did. So between uh, 2014 until earlier this year, uh, I was um, on the job, as you say, I was a civilian uh, director uh, at DCPI and I actually ran social media for the NYPD. So uh, when I came in, um, you know, thankfully uh, the police commissioner back then, Bill Bratton was very kind of open to social media and um, basically came in and decentralized all the communication. So if you can imagine DCPI, very kind of top down, buttoned up communications, we went from that to- Yael, Yael, let me just stop you for one second. For our fans, they don't speak cop lingo, not all of them. DCPI <laughs> okay. is an acronym for what? 
It's the, the press office. So like Deputy Commissioner of Public Information. That's right. So before 2014, it was very uh, button, you know, very buttoned up, very much only one person speaks. It's a police commissioner. And basically when we came in, uh, we decentralized the communication to fit the time. So every precinct in the city uh, got a Twitter account, uh, later on a Facebook page. They still run them today. Um, and we really kind of let uh, the precincts communicate with the people they serve directly. So I did that until early this year. And now I'm a consultant. Actually, when I left um, the job, I was thinking, you know, I'll do social media consulting, but not, not necessarily for law enforcement. I don't really want to, you know, only do that for the rest of my life. But everything happened in June with George Floyd. And I really found myself diving right back into it because it's kind of where, you know, uh, where my heart is to just help cops tell their stories. So you're like a consultant for other police departments? Yeah, police departments, people that work with police departments, okay. uh, anyone that needs to tell the story of law enforcement or speak to law enforcement through social media. It's very important, as you, as you know, that's because it's your field, to get the story out quickly, especially like in police shootings. Yep. Where, where there's video, but sometimes I think we... Um, we try to acquiesce to the to the community too fast, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, look, there's that there's that shooting. I I forgot which state it was, where the, the perpetrator is seen shooting at the cop, mm -hmm. and they released the video, and the community's still not satisfied, you know. So then, you know, what was the purpose of it, you know? Uh, well, you said two interesting things here. Uh, I'm going to start with the end, actually. So. The community still not being satisfied is, is something that we can't really measure. And a lot of times we think social media reflects the people, the voice of the people. And as a social media consultant, I'll, I'll tell you exactly the opposite. Uh, social media is not this kind of free for all utopian place where every voice counts. Uh, it actually really does, uh, you know, put a spotlight on the negative voices. So we're always going to see the sides that are not happy. We're always going to see the sides that are extreme to, to one place or another. So, you know, it's hard to really tell if, if people are happy or not happy, people are supportive or not supportive. Uh, as for, um, as for kind of uh, what you said, you know, giving into the will of the community, I think there's, there's a middle ground. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, officer safety comes first and policing comes first. So we're, we're not in it for the likes. Uh, we're not in it for the view, you know, if you want a million views, then, then there's a, you know, a lot of things I can tell you to do, but they won't be appropriate for police, police off the cuff wants a million views. What should we do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say they're, they're not going to be appropriate for you, you know, go stir up some drama, <laughs> go walk us to take off some clothes and start dancing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you might get banned, <laughs> but, but honestly, if, if, if you, if you get, um, if you start shit, if you get, I'm sorry, I'm, this is a podcast where you're allowed to curse, right? You can say whatever you want. Okay. Um, you know, no if, Yiddish. No Yiddish. <laughs> if, if you go really extreme, uh, you know, you, you cause controversy, um, then, you know, you'll get probably more views, but that's not, um, you know, we're fortunate as, as, as law enforcement that, that we're not in the business of that, right? We're not trying to sell a product. Right. We're trying to show a positive representation of who we are. And sometimes people like it, sometimes they won't. That's fine. Well, it's like when warrants, remember when warrants, so I think it was a couple of months ago, they made that arrest on the street. Yeah, yeah. It was beautiful. It was textbook police work, but mm -hmm. the public and the, the savages 
and social media didn't like it. They didn't like the way it was done, you know? And that's a great example, uh, Bill. And that's actually where I really think we need to meet people in the middle because you see it as a cop, um, just like when you see a good shooting, right? Um, you see a good shooting and you say, well, this is textbook, this is good shooting, but all the public sees is a shooting right. or all the public sees. So it, it's not that I would ever recommend to a client, you know, hey, don't do police work because people aren't going to like it, but rather what are you going to do to set the stage for that and to kind of minimize the impact? A lot of it is damage control too. Well, you know, politicians always use the expression, they say, everyone likes sausage, but no one likes to see the way it's made. Mm-hmm. And it's the same is true with policing. Yeah. Everyone wants to be safe, but sometimes policing is ugly. Yep. No, it's true. Uh, you know, awful, awful, but lawful. And um, somebody said, I, I don't remember who said it, but I want, one of the best lines I heard about um, communications and community relations is that as police, you have to invest in the bank of public trust because you're going to withdraw from it from time to time. Right. From time to time, you're going to do things that are awful, but lawful. Or, or you are going to do things that are that are unlawful because you have 36,000 police officers and, and every once in a while somebody's going to do something wrong. So, you know, you always have to kind of invest in these relationships, a lot of which are happening online. And when something does happen, um, whether it's not whether it's something you can defend or not, uh, you know, that 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 blow will be a little a little softer. Mm-hmm. Well, Bill brought up a good point because he brought up the timing of releasing the footage that they had and how it didn't really make a difference. So on this, on the side of uh, just because we have such a fast media cycle now, I think it's, you have to do that, but I think you can't expect, like you said, that it's going to change public opinion at all, because at this point right now, it doesn't matter what the person that was doing prior to getting shot by a police officer was doing. It's just that they got shot. If they're a person of color, it doesn't matter. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have happened. You know, every single case that they bring up, is it, is it um, like, look at Brianna Taylor, for example. Now, all of a sudden, I don't even know if the picture was doctored or not, but they have her, you know, holding um, a firearm. Mm-hmm. Wasn't So I don't know if you can trust those pictures. It it's, it's didn't seem to get like that much um, attention that I thought it would. It's floating around on social media, but that's something that, you know, you'd say to yourself, all right, maybe what they're saying is true, you know? It doesn't seem to sway anybody who's already made up their mind, though. Uh, yeah, but but again, we're, we're always getting a very skewed view of how people think about the world uh, when we look at, at social media. Uh, and we tend to overestimate, and I, I do it myself, too. Uh, we tend to overestimate how terrible and strong the other side is, whether the other side is pro-police or anti-police. Um, where in reality, most people kind of meet in the middle. And there's a great website that I really recommend everybody go to that I have no affiliation with. So, you know, nobody's paying me. And it's called um, The Perception Gap. I think it's called, if you just Google The Perception Gap. And it shows you, uh, basically asks you a series of questions. It identifies you, you know, let's say it identifies you as a Republican. So it asks you a bunch of questions about what do you think liberals think about police. What do you think liberals think about the flag? And what it shows you without a doubt is that you always think that people are more extreme than in reality uh, they are. So we, we have to remember that too. And we look at social media all the time. And I just wrote uh, a blog post about it. You know, we have to remember that it's not real life. It's just a, a selection of opinions. 
also too you mentioned you used the word liberal there which uh if i had that questionnaire in my in front of me that's a difficult situation because if you're not given um the word the left i will then then it's a tough thing because you know even though they 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 snuck underneath that democratic party there um it is an extreme part of the party so that's a different way of thinking i wouldn't think like you said about the flag and just what my perception of a liberal used to be mm -hmm. um yeah but what, when it comes down to the core issues uh, you know support for for police is still high um support for police funding is still relatively high uh you know Sure, those things fluctuate, and, and there's definitely been an impact on you know the last few months. We can't deny that. Um, but I think you know, in reality, there's if you get off social media and you talk to people around you, a lot of times it's it's a lot worse than you think. Not again, not to say that this stuff doesn't exist, but when we're in it all the time, and that's part of my business too, is kind of to like I don't want to say deprogram, but like remind people, you know, hey, you're on social media all the time. It's almost like I don't know, like you're working in a factory, you're inhaling all this like smoke and shit. You need to, you know, remind yourself to go take a breath of fresh air. Do you look at social media? What's that? You have social media accounts. Do you look at stuff? On yeah, of course. So I just wrote a blog post, um, which I'm happy to share with you guys, that basically talks about how when I left the NYPD, I started opening my own business. And I told, um, I was consulting with a guy I know who's kind of a social media guru. And I was like, listen, I don't want to be on social media. I'm, you know, I've gotten trolled for working for the NYPD. I'm Israeli. I work, you know, I was in the IDF. I got trolled for that too. I'm going to be like behind the scenes, you know, kind of the, the social media person who's not on social media. Right. And he basically told me, you know, I kind of looked at me and said, get over it. So you do have to put yourself out there if you're trying to reach people but it can get very uh very difficult uh and very ugly at times so you need to protect yourself well y'all when you were saying before about so much of social media is negative that's true you stay on facebook for a while and you better have this uh suicide hotline on speed back uh, facebook you know? yeah twitter but my point is is that a very small percentage of people are putting their opinions out there as if that's the mainstream opinion mm -hmm. and that's what's dangerous about social media is that for example defund the police a very very small percentage of people want to actually do that and i don't even think they really realize what the hell that means mm -hmm. i think to a lot of these people it means oh take a billion dollars and give it to social service programs. Yeah. Know? And then as they start getting robbed every day when they take the subway, they're like, oh my God, I didn't mean that, you know? Yeah. And when you look at research, uh, for the most part, the research shows that, that most people, and this is consistent across racial demographics too, uh, they don't want to defund the police. Right. The problem happens when uh, decision makers make decisions based on social media and that's where we have a real disconnect because and and you know i've seen it happen um on the job at times too so something happens on social media boom blowing up trending number one on twitter the whole world is talking about it what do we do and a lot of times you know the answer is take a deep breath and figure out you know what your constituents actually want and what the right thing to do is and not just what um, 
Well, you know, a good example of that is that the New York City Council passed a law without knowing what the hell they were talking about. And what I'm referring to is the diaphragm law. They didn't consult anyone. They didn't consult any police experts. They didn't consult any physical force experts. They just did it on their own asinine uh, initiative without realizing what that meant, you know? And now a lot of them being interviewed after the fact are like, oh my God, I didn't know that that's what I voted for. Yeah, and, and ironically, you know, I, I think you guys know better than I do that, uh, you know, the more you uh, disincentivize officers from putting their hands on people, the more likely you are to, to end in, in a fatal interaction because you're gonna, you're gonna use your firearm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a crazy world we live in. I, I don't want to pass judgment on it. I, what I tell and I will, clients... I'll pass judgment. Those, the city council, a bunch of jackasses in this city. Anyone that would vote for that, they should be removed from office. All of them, a bunch of morons. So politicians are under that, that pressure from social media. And what I, what I'm trying to tell my clients is, you know, it's not real life. And just because something's trending on social media, it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. It doesn't mean the, the people have voted and said, you know, this is the direction we want to go. I'll give you, could I give you a perfect example? Please. I always wonder about how many, uh, it's almost like when something new comes out or something's going to hit the media, it's everybody's holding their breath to see, okay, what's wrong with it? And all it takes is a couple of people to write um, something on the opposite side of it. And they're the ones that are going to get the most attention. For example, uh, Gal, Gal Gardot playing Cleopatra. <laughs> My girl. Yeah. I, she's Israeli or Israeli. Now, I'm, I'm wondering to myself, how many people are really making a big deal out of this? Or are we just focusing on 10 people around the world that decided I'm going to go the opposite direction? I this? don't think the studio executives are losing and, and, you know, a minute of sleep over it. But the problem is when and you see it sometimes in organizations like it happened in the new york times and i don't know if you've been you were following this is kind of like you know a little inside baseball but um there's um um a woman who was a editor in the new york times barry weiss who uh resigned after being being bullied uh by her co-workers and uh and she's fairly liberal but she's also uh, somebody who kind of calls out other liberals and basically she pointed out um, the issue of uh, junior staffers, uh, I guess, being very um, active with their, with their demands and, and going to social media. So this is a world that, that we don't know. I mean, you guys, you guys are much, 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 much older than me, right? No, okay, but- <laughs> We don't want that pointed out. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're not, not, neither, not, neither of us are in the generation where you take your grievances to social media, right. but- the, the people, the younger people are, and, and they're taking their grievances against their workplace to social media. So like I said earlier, you know, judgment aside, what I tell my clients, this is reality. This is the reality we live in right now. We can love it, hate it, whatever, complain about it, but we need to make the best out of it because if we just bury our head in the sound and be like, ah, I'm not going to put anything on social media. I'm just going to communicate with people through, you know, a community council meeting, then you're going to lose. But, you know, Yael, the scary thing for me and for people from maybe my generation, I'm a baby boomer, is this group think that if you think differently than the group, people go against you in a vicious way. 
It's almost like I've seen things online where kids are taking online classes and one kid had a Trump uh, poster behind and they told him to take it down. What if he yeah. said, no, I'm not going to take it down. Yeah. I mean, for, for yeah, that's, that's true. It's, it's a new, um, it's a new age we live in where, you know, hate people speech. Defining, people defining blue lives or the blue line as racist. Mm -hmm. Why is someone else allowed to define that? No, it's not. It's meant for pride in police mm -hmm. and let, reminding people that cops' lives matter too. Why does someone get to define that as, oh, that's racist? No, it's not. It's not how it's intended to be. But someone's going to define that, and then we got to be like, oh, my God, we won't have the blue line hat anymore, or the blue line this or the blue line that, because someone was offended by it and defined it as to what they wanted it to be. Yeah, the, well, the question, I think, for police departments is not why this is happening or or how do we change these people's minds but more we understand this is a reality right now it's not going away how do we make the best out of it and and put out a presence there so that people understand what police do and you know like you were, you were saying about about the chokeholds that people get a better understanding of of police work and i find that because it's so contentious and because it's so angering a lot of times uh not just police departments a lot of people tend to uh you know go hands off and say okay i'm not going to participate at all but we can't we can't afford to do that because in the meantime our, our story is being told for us by other people look there were a lot of cops on the job when i was on the job that were empty suits just because they didn't want to do shit now everyone has an excuse not to do anything yeah it's it's um not taking risks I'm not getting arrested for making an arrest the proper way, you know? Yeah, we can't, we can't say that, you know, you can say what you want about social media, but you can't say it hasn't influenced policing because it has. No, it absolutely has. Yeah. So I want, how, you know, uh, how do we get out of this? <laughs> I want the job of the person that gets to delete all the negative comments that go on the precinct uh, websites. <laughs> we don't, I, I can, can I tell uh, one of my favorite stories is, um, this was like a old, like a long time ago. I think it was uh, the CEO of the 110 was Ron Layson at the time. And this is right when we launched the precinct program. And one of their cops had cancer and he had to go through chemotherapy. So he lost his hair. And what they did is they all sat down, all the cops and shaved their heads. So they tweeted a photo of the CEO of Ron Layson shaving his head. And it was really beautiful touching. And they said, you know, why? <laughs> and, the, and the first comment was like, fuck you, NYPD. Uh -huh. So, yeah. you know, that's just the world we live in right now. It we is. We well, like plow through that. You mentioned Twitter. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I don't, uh, I, you, you know, it's a bet. You can't really promote stuff on, on Twitter, which is usually what I use social media for. But um, Twitter is another animal. Like I know a guy who just lost a, a gig uh, to make 80 grand a year doing some on TV, uh, just a, an info, like, um, what is it, a course, teaching a course on something mm -hmm. for, for a TV um, channel. And it's not a lot of money, but still, for a comic in New York City, 80 grand to bang out some work during the day and make you money comedy at night, it's a great gig. He lost it because he posted something on Twitter over a year ago, and it was um, he was basically commenting on somebody else's tweet where they used the N-word. So he wasn't even using it. And he'd even say the, he didn't use the N-word. He said N-word. The other person did. So.
So it just goes to show you, I don't even understand why it's worth it. I know you're saying you should stay engaged, especially mm -hmm. if you work in the media, but to put up anything that is um, emotional in any way is, is absurd right now. Yeah, especially for, for comedians. And there's been a lot of talk about that, about um, you know what, what is comedy today and kind of pushing the limits and, and things like that. I, I was just watching a this Vice News article about um, people who book uh, college uh, comics for campuses, and you know it's it's really difficult. I think you know a lot of a lot of legendary comics would probably be rolling in their grave right now. Um, but you're you're right that you know I understand when people say it, why is it worth it, and what I always recommend to people is always start with your goals. So what are your goals? Let's say you're, you're a stand-up comedian. My goal is to uh, reach more people. My goal is to, for people who book gigs to, to notice me, mm -hmm. my goal is to show myself as a, you know, professional comedian. And you always have to start with that. And you always have to keep, keep those goals in mind. So it can't be your diary. It can't be your, your joke book. Um, it gone are the days where it's just like, dear diary, here are my thoughts on Twitter. We have to be a lot more calculated than that. I'll give you a perfect example. No matter how much somebody else's post or something that's posted annoys me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I go through the problem of the trouble of actually, you know, right. I always delete it <laughs> because I don't want to get into that thing about arguing about politics or something like that. Yep. My post, or like what I posted today, I found the picture, I, I just saw it somewhere else. And it was uh, of one of those little houses. You know, the little house, the, you know, the, the, the tiny house. Okay. You know, the TV show, Tiny House? Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. Well, some 13-year-old made one, you know? and it's in one right now. No. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I live in the New York City studio apartment. What's my, the, my, the my tiny house is on top of somebody's big house. No, on the bottom of somebody's big house. <laughs> But I just, what I posted was, it was a joke. It was, what's the difference between uh, your uh, your parents' backyard shed and the tiny house? Drapes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. It's just drapes. You know, one person's uh, mansion is somebody else's tiny house. You know, you're convincing your girlfriend to move in. And at first it's really romantic. Look, this will be our own place. It's a tiny but That house. can't be offensive to anyone, can it? No, but that's my point. It's like that's why what I put up. I put up jokes. Yeah. That are just jokes. They're not then there's not a target to it. I'm not looking to make a um some type of political point. Yeah. It's not worth it for me. I don't and, I don't Yeah. And when you engage with someone online, I would always recommend uh two things. First of all, like you said first, you know, you, you gotta ask yourself if it's worth it. Because, and I've done it before. I'm not like, you know, this is, I'm learned for, I've learned from experience. Someone will say something stupid on social media and I'll be like, well, uh, you know, feel great about myself. And then what happens? The whole day I'm stuck in this cycle of- Oh well, yeah. So you have talk? to ask them, first of all, am I willing to commit to this? I know, I know. And right. second of all, you have to say, am I talking to this person or am I talking to people who agree with me? Because if I'm talking to people who agree with me, I'll just say something snarky and mean and that person will, will feel like shit and the people that agree with me will like it. But if I actually want to have a conversation and want to educate somebody, you have to be like more, more respectful. And you have that, that um, you know, that's a nice thing about social media is you're behind a keyboard so you can write respectfully while like freaking out privately. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
Yeah, but then on the other side of the coin is all these uh, social justice warriors that become seven feet tall and 350 pounds behind the keyboard. Yeah, know? yeah, but we're not we're not That's going to you know yeah. we're, we're we're better than anyone who wants to resort to personal attacks and and trust me, like I've I've been there. I've had uh you know I've had people troll me on Twitter. Um, apparently the the Venn diagram of people who hate the NYPD and hate Israel is like a, you know, perfect overlap. Same, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's happened to me from, from time to time. Um, and I'm sure it will happen again, but and it's very tempting to, to sit on the keyboard and, and tell everybody, you know, what I think about them. But right. at the end of the day, I'm not just talking to, to them. I'm talking to, you know, the world. So you need to kind of maintain some composure. Yael, did you do your two years in the Israeli army or no? Yeah. Oh, you did? Mm -hmm. I knew I was something about you. They'll probably sing that song when they march in Israel. Oh, no, sing. we don't do a lot of singing. Don't sing. That's what they sing here, you know? No. Yeah. I don't remember any singing. I had to think. Your weapon's pretty good with weapons. It's 45 caliber, semi-auto, and right? Yeah, no sure. You know, basic training. I remember cleaning them. That was a pain in the ass, but... Taking them apart is the hard Yeah, part. taking them apart. We had to take and them apart and put them back together, back together, which is a skill I've never had to use since. <laughs> I had an incident where I, I got uh, beat up pretty bad on Twitter. That that scared the hell out of me because I was on Comedy Central on the nightly show, and they had um, they were doing um, the Sandra Bland story before she died, before she uh, committed suicide. And uh, so I was the, the cop comedian on the show representing, I guess, which w what would be the right. And uh, obviously the whole show, it was, we wrote jokes the whole day, the day before for it. And then I went out there and basically did it, you know, and um, then she died and they got ugly quick, man. I mean, like I got stuff like uh, your family dying and all this shit. Like I didn't have nothing to do with it. I was just uh, the guest comedian on the show, but yeah, it's bad. It's scary too. It's, it's hard. It's scary. It affects you because it makes you dig your heels in deeper to what what you what you think and what you support um but it's I, I chickened out right away i was like fuck that i'll change my opinion right now i didn't mean any of it <laughs> well did you see um did you see bill burr on I saturday night Live? i watched I it on youtube that was great it but it was amazing to see how the audience um reacted to his jokes because when he started talking about cancel culture and things like that the audience was like, uh, like, are we supposed to laugh? Like, so I, I think, I think being a comic right now is harder than being a cop. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, everybody's uh, scared to have an opinion other than themselves. And it also depends. First of all, that audience is not nearly what it, it's, um, you know, social distancing audience and they're wearing masks. So you told you to, to listen to the laughter from the audience is not a good indication. They should find a way to fluff that up too. For all late night. I mean, if the freaking stadiums can use crowds cheering, put the freaking soundtrack in. Who gives a shit? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I, I looked at it, too, the same way you're looking at it. And that's one thing about Sebastian did it um, when he was hosting. I think it was the MTV Music Awards. He went after um, this cancel culture. And then Dave Chappelle destroyed it. Mm -hmm. Bill Burr did it before. He did it again. The comedians are fighting really, really hard. But they're it seems like they're fighting an uphill battle because 
like you said, social media, and then what you read, you're only reading. Nobody, I, I, I shared Bill, Bill's uh, set on my social media. Um, and I just did it because I thought it was great, but I thought it was great because of what he was saying. Um, I didn't do it on Twitter, but I, I heard Twitter was, uh, you know, giving him a, a negative grade on that set. Yeah, Twitter leans very left. Um, Facebook leans very right. And if, if you look at the top 10 most viewed Facebook posts every day, the more shared Facebook posts, they're usually nine out of 10, eight out of 10, they're, they're right wing. Um, and with Twitter, I don't have the stats, but I, I imagine it's, it's similar, but the opposite. So both of these are skewed. Both of these don't represent, you know. Well, Facebook is an older crowd. Facebook is like, uh, like if I talk to my kids about Facebook, they're like, they never go on there. They yeah. do, um, they do Instagram, uh, Instagram and, um, and the other one, uh, Snapchat TikTok. a lot. Snapchat, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's important to remember, and, and I see a lot, um, and, and Bill, we spoke about this over the phone a little too, um, that I, I see a lot of cops kind of get into, um, you know, they spend a lot of times on social media and it really represents a very negative view of the world. And I almost want to like pull them out and shake them and be like, listen, you can't sit and watch like videos all day of, of people like, you know, talking shit about cops or interfering or resisting arrest and then go out and do your job because, job, yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's, it's, it's just a, a bad like mindset to be. And I'm not saying these things don't happen. They happen a lot. But the question is, you know, if we're watching five hours of that and then going, going to work, what kind of attitude are you bringing with us to work? Yeah, no, it's, it definitely would change your attitude, but the cops that are on the job today, I think they have it the hardest of any era in New York City history. They're wearing body cameras. There's cameras all over the place. Mm -hmm. you know, phone cameras, walk people all, you know. I remember in, in one of my uh, first time was my first arrest in citywide anti-crime. I was in the 4-4 precinct and we heard shots and we went toward the shots and two guys came running at us with a gun. One guy tossed the gun I chased after him and I caught him. He squared off to fight me. And without even thinking twice, I just hit him as hard as I could over the top of his head with my gun and opened him up. Mm -hmm. He turned out to be the guy who sh he shot two people. But if that video was on today, they would want to collar me more than the guy who just shot the two people. Yeah, yeah. This this thing has changed policing, I think, more than yeah, more than anything else. Um Again, you know, we could we could sit around and talk about how terrible it is. Uh, it's also done, I think, some good things. I mean, I think body cams. When I when I was starting, everybody was resisting them. Now cops are like they they want them because they tell our side of the story. The question is, you know, okay, how how do we work in this in this reality? How do we we have to understand that this is not going away? You know, people taking videos of cops all the time it's just going to happen. Right. So what, what, how do we, how do we reimagine re policing? Sorry to, to use that term. Um, but how do we, you know, how do we figure out how to best do our jobs within this new reality? I think they need more um, non-lethal weapons. I really do. I think they need, you know, you can't always go right to the taser. You can't always go right to the mace, but mm -hmm. like Mark and I did a demonstration on the um, bolo wrap. 
which I think is a great thing. Do you know what polar wrap is? No. Polar wrap is is like a net that is shot at a like an EDP. Yeah. And it wraps the person up. And while they're all tied up like this, you jump them and you get them caught. Yeah. But you have the guy in Rochester who they put the spit bag over his head. And I guess he threw up in the in the spit bag and died. And, you know, all the media and everything was like, basically the cops choked this guy with a plastic bag. So, you know, sometimes it's it's about, not about winning. It's It's not about like, oh, if we just put it out this way, then everybody will love us. Right. But it, it is about kind of putting out the facts and saying, hey, this is why we had to use this. Um, this is what happened and, and kind of, you know, take it or leave it. But we, we're putting our facts out. We're putting the, you know, tactical decisions out as, as best we can and laying them out for people. Yeah. And how many doctors or people in the medical field could stand being videotaped 24-7? How many yeah, dead bodies? I don't do think anyone denies that it's. So how many crimes would we witness in the medical field? Not only that, if a doctor in Arizona does something terrible, um, you know, should it affect the doctors in New York? Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but but the fact of the matter is, and that's something else I say in my training, and I always feel like when I when I do training, I'm kind of like, you know, the 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 angel of death or the the like. I bring all the bad news. Right. I say, look, your cops are not only representing themselves, they're not only representing their agency, they're representing the entire profession. And if you don't believe me, ask yourself how your life has been affected by the death of George Floyd. Right. And it hasn't every police department. I don't think there's one police department that hasn't been affected in, in some some way, shape or form. So well, that's an interesting point that you bring up, because if if anywhere in the country, um, and there's other countries that are actually protesting George Floyd. But anywhere in this country, if, if a person of color gets shot right now by a police officer, there's going to be a riot over it. And, 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 and you don't know which city it's going to happen in. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter the city of origin or how their police are, because right now all police are bad and all police uh, should be abolished. That, that is the, that's what's being... On social media. On social media and in the news as well, because they're the ones who feel these uh, feel these stories mm -hmm. about the fund of police. And uh, they feel them so much that a lot of these people like in Minneapolis on that city council that that signed that bill to fund the police. Now they're like, well, I didn't really know what it meant. You know, I thought it was uh, I didn't take it literally, you know, and now they're in a situation right now where they're going to have to backpedal and figure out what we're going to do right now. Yeah, and, and I think the New York either did the New York City Council realize what they were signing when they voted for the diaphragm law, you know? Probably but, not, and and probably not for other bills as well. I mean, that's that's the nature of politics, uh, in in a way. Um, you know, I think I think what I what I'm trying to figure out is how do we rise above this in a sense, right? So. How do we show, I always said when I worked at NYPD, I want people to see NYPD through my eyes, through the way I see cops. And you know how I see cops? As normal people, some of which are amazing, some of which are, you know, whatever, but they're humans. And 99.9% .9 of them came on this job to help people. 
And, you know, we have to tell that story because the story is right now dominated by the negative stuff. And the negative stuff is always going to float to the top. It's always going to do better than the positive stuff. Yeah, but, you but, know, sometimes we're also victims of people saying, oh, he's a bad cop. Like, don't tell me Pantaleo was a bad cop. Pantaleo was a great cop. The term, yeah, the term bad apples, and I, I don't like the term bad apples because for the same reason I don't like when people lump in, you know, uh, Breonna Taylor and Eric Garner and Ahmed Oberi, these are very different cases. And, and, and you and I can, you know, we, we have the, the, the knowledge to kind of look into every case and realize, okay, these are very, very different incidents. But most people, they're looking at things at a very superficial level at a soundbite level well you know the michael brown case mm -hmm. they would have locked that cop up in a minute till the evidence showed them he was right mm -hmm. he was 100 percent right but they were all right obama sent eric holder there to lock his ass up and when the evidence was like wait a minute mm -hmm. everything he said is proved by the evidence yeah but you have the evidence yeah. and you have the narrative yeah. and the narrative isn't you know it's not going away Evidence is so overrated right now. It really yeah, is. And, uh, <laughs> Homer Simpson says you can use facts to prove anything, you know? But, but as far as public opinion goes, mm -hmm. because the mindset on some of these people that are protesting and rioting, it doesn't matter. They have a, another agenda and every single shooting fuels their flame and gives them the authority to continue uh, with the anarchy, to continue with the destruction. So the evidence doesn't really matter. But let me, let me ask you guys a question. So 36,000 police officers in New York City, right? Give or mm -hmm. take. And you guys are, 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 are comics, so you have a life outside of the job. When you went to a club or you talked to other comics, how many of them actually have ever met a cop or sat down and had a beer with a cop or had a chat with a cop? Very few, right? Well, I was, yeah, well, I started a while ago. So I was the first. And it was, they were always interested and uh, always fascinated and always had questions for me. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you know, we're all being social and it's a lot easier to be um, a gentleman or uh, a gentle person when you're faced with somebody who's twice the size of you. You know what I'm saying? So you watch your mouth. Like Mike Tyson said, you know, all these people on social media right now, they're, they're lucky behind because they're behind the computer yeah, and yeah. he's punching them in the face for what they're saying. And it's true. When you're in, in front of somebody, you get a different person. Now the same person is on their computer at home. And um, I'm like, yeah, how many years did I give you a PBA card? You know, how many times did I get you out of a gym? Yeah. And this is what you're saying about cops right now. Yeah. So that is, we're, we're in, in, a, in a hysterical state. People feel like they have to post because if they don't post, then you're not, then you're not, uh, I'm out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm yeah. not, I'm a, People are going to wonder why I'm posting. Nobody gives a shit if you post or not. Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> Actually, people, a lot of people have said that, you know, their, their friends or people expect them to post. And if they don't post, uh, you know, it's, it's a negative. So it, it is a very, very complicated, it's a very, very complicated uh, situation to be in. But that's why I think the more we can show people the humanity of cops. And, and by the way, humanity is not just, you know, oh, here's a cop like letting an old lady cross the street. Like, you know, not that stuff, but I don't know. I'm trying to think like one of my favorite posts that I posted 
when I was at NYPD was like a few weeks before I left was at a graduation. And um, I, I was just walking around and I saw this young uh, black cop with an older white lady and they were hugging and, and I asked, I'm like, hey, you know, what, what's the story here? And he said, you know, I'm an immigrant from, I forget, from some African country and she was my English teacher. Oh, I thought you were and, gonna say 90 day fiance. <laughs> no, she was a little older, a little older than him. But um, so is the couple on 90 Day Fiance, <laughs> which, by the way, is a fantastic show. But I thought it was such a great human story. And she came, she was his English teacher. He didn't know English. Now he's a New York City cop. He just graduated. She came to support him. So I, I put that on our on NYPD social media because we need to constantly remind people that guess what? There are human beings behind these these shields and they have stories and they have faces and they have names and you know. But Yael, you know something I just wanted to add something to that. You're right. That that's very important as the PR face of the department to put out a happy face. But I think it goes above and beyond when these cops are doing dances or singing songs in radio cars. And I know one of your posts went viral, had one point one million views. But there's also a professionalism. And you yeah. understand being an Israeli military the NYPD is a para, all police departments are a paramilitary organization. And two cops singing over the megaphone or singing in the car, it's really not Bill's what a, I want to see. Bill's not a good dancer. You don't want to see Bill dance. <laughs> he can well, sing. Bill's a good singer and he plays the guitar. I'll tell you two things. I'll tell you two things. That one, the second one might, might upset you. But <laughs> the first one, I'll say, you're not wrong. There needs to be a balance. And sometimes I see things that, that I love and things that are cringeworthy. And it's hard to know what the balance is, but you kind of know when people are trying too hard. So right. I understand you need to do things respectfully and, and you can still have fun, but you do it respectfully. And the second thing is, you know, you said that's not what you want to see, but at the end of the day, we're also, you know, we're, we're trying to appeal to people who, who have different points of view. So we don't want to try too hard because the last thing you want to do on social media, I've seen police departments do it, is try, you know, that, that meme fellow kids with Steve Buscemi, who's like, you know, you're trying try to be like a cool kid. Right. That's the last thing you want to do on social media. But if you show a human side, it goes a long way because people don't expect it. So I'll, t I'll give you another example of a post that I did that I loved. Uh, I had a cop in, um, in Times Square. Um, guy's name but anyway this guy gave like, his shoes to the homeless guy no not the homeless shoe guy that was before my time Damn. but um this guy um he's like textbook cop he walks around times square he knows everyone all the vendors the hot dog guys this guy's like the typical beat cop he must right? be eating pretty well <laughs> <laughs> anyway he goes um he's walking down the street one day some woman comes up to him in tears She's uh, online to get tickets to Hamilton. She's a, um, a tourist from Ireland. And she's been online for four days because it's impossible to get tickets to the show. And she's short $20. So, so what does a cop do? What most cops would do? Most people, you know, I think a lot of people on this job would do, like takes $20, gives it to her, never thinks of it again, right? Um, she goes back to Ireland, writes a letter to the mayor's office, with a $20 bill, which he probably would have gotten jammed up for if he took, but just kind of thanking this officer, you know, thank you so much for your kindness. We've been waiting, we're waiting online for four days, blah, 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 and made our trip. Did de Blasio pocket the 20? 
<laughs> I don't know what happened to the 20. I never saw it. I'm sure it was donated somewhere. Yeah, but anyway, we put this photo on this, put this story on social media and it went like in, it was international news. It went so viral. And the reason is because people don't expect that. They don't expect to see that side of cops. They expect cops to take guns off the street. They expect cops to arrest drug dealers. They don't expect a cop to see a woman in stress, a tourist, and just be like, oh, yeah, here's $20, whatever. Well, here's the difference. Because these, ter um, I, I was going to say uh, terrorists came up. These anarchists that come, they come from other cities. Yeah. They come, whether some George Floyd got, uh, got killed in Minneapolis, they'll come to New York and protest. They're coming from other cities. So whether you're cop of the month or not, you're going to get hit in the head with a brick. Okay? That's it. And now you're standing there and you did all these good deeds and you, uh, you, you delivered a baby yesterday, got this guy's <laughs> shoes, gave this girl $20. And the next thing you know, you're getting hit with, in the head with a brick. Yeah. So that, that's also the gonna be threat. You're also going to go to all out if they need cops for all out. And like, yes, all these cops that are out there, they're facing an opponent that doesn't necessarily come from their command, from the city. So they don't have an affiliation. They don't care. Yeah. And it, it's a black eye to everything. And that's why they do it. It's not about community policing right now. It's about keeping these people that are from out of town coming in and destroying your neighborhood and then leaving to go destroy somebody else's neighborhood. Yeah. And, and again, that's, that's why it's so difficult to be a cop. You can be, have the best day of your life or you can try to save somebody or you can intervene. Um, let's say somebody's being attacked and you intervene and somebody takes a video of it and, and then you're the bad guy it's the reality we're in, you know, and we can, we can kind of sit around and like, you know, it's easy for me to say, right. Cause I'm, I'm not on the job and I'm not a civilian, but I think for cops, you know, I understand the, the, the wanting to kind of dwell on it. Um, but also well, we need to start thinking, okay, like, what do we do? Well, we do, we create laws. Look at that, that kid Rittenhouse. Now, one of the things that came up was he was not even from that town. Mm -hmm. So I know he came with his first aid kit, but he also came with a an AR-15 with a firearm. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So um, then that there therein lies the rub. You yeah. know what I'm so saying? we lobby for laws. There um, has to be laws that if you cross state lines to protest and you get arrested in the area doing something violent, then that should be a, so like almost like crossing state line dealing drugs. It should be a federal crime. But yes, also, if somebody if somebody if somebody showed up with an AR in Times Square, he'd be shot dead, and I don't think anybody would, you know. Well, that's take issue with that. because so many states have different gun laws. Yeah. So they can just march with their AR-15s right to the governor's mansion and stand out there all day, right next to a cop. That that's got to be the weirdest feeling ever. Yeah, and then that's why they say you know when people compare. Um, U.S. Uh, police police shootings, and they say, why you know, why can't it be as low as in England, as low as in Norway, whatever? <laughs> you know, we have so many guns, and whenever a police officer is pulling somebody over, interacting with someone, you know, there's no reason not to assume that they don't have a firearm on them. Well, you know, it's funny they sent a whole contingent of NYPD chiefs a few years ago to Scotland to study their use of force. Mm -hmm. And you want to talk about comparing apples to watermelons. Come on. It's not even, you know, there's no guns in Scotland. Maybe they have a stray shillelagh here and there, but there's no guns. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so the deadly physical force thing is not even in the same league, you know? Yeah. yeah, but also, too, they can handle themselves, too, when it comes to fighting. There are a lot of them that, they, <laughs> you know, they are. They're all part. They, they fight like I've, I watched the videos. I was studying it. Why, why do Bobby's not have to carry guns? And it's because, you know, they're very, very polite, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second thing is, is if it has to come down to it, they don't mind fighting. And it's not the end of the world either. Yeah, yeah. Fight. You don't have to worry about somebody taking away your firearm. Because you don't have one, it's just a fight, and then the cop kicks your ass, and he puts you in cuffs, and then they're polite again. Yeah, and the fact of the matter is, you know, cops that are coming today in the police academy, they're a different generation, and they're oh, also boy. raised. You're not even kidding. Oh <laughs> man, they got their, they got water bottles with their name on it. You just gotta sign the water, water bottle. bottle with my name on it. Yeah, but when I went to no, there was we didn't have water bottles. We just all used to line up behind the you know the old fashioned. Uh, the bubblers, the water fountain, water yeah. fountain. You line up there like sixty guys yeah. waiting to just bend down and take a sip of somebody else's. I would uh, always talk water. to my my friends that work in like startups and stuff, and you know they'd be like, "Oh, we get like pizza and sushi." And I'm like, I have to pay fifteen dollars a month just to like get have toilet paper in the bathroom. What are you <laughs> talking about? So you know it's a different world, um, but you know also like the job. I think you know, maybe it's a little controversial, but. You, you need to like somehow adapt a little bit. I'm not saying coddle people, but you need to understand that you have a different workforce, right? So like, how do you train them so that they're not intimidated by these things? Yeah. Lyle, you know something? I, I mentioned it to you when we were on the phone and uh, Maki Haberfeld. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, Maki, you know Maki? I, I know of her, I've, I've heard great well, things about a, her. She's a great professor from John Jay College. And they never ask her opinion anymore because she's, she's a conservative. They just want to have <laughs> all the leftist anarchists when John Jay does a symposium, you know. But oh, she yeah, said yeah. something that I thought was very profound. She said, in regards to community policing, she said, why should the community be allowed to tell you how to do your job? And when you think about that, that makes mm-hmm. a hell of a lot of sense. Yeah. But profession lets the community tell them how to do their job. Well, we're going into a situation. I watched uh, the American West on, um, uh, it's a documentary by uh, a series by Robert Redford and Jesse James. It was interesting. Uh, uh, forget it. I'll, co- I'll come back to that point. <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're saying, you know, but Bill, you said, um, why, why should we tell, let the community tell us how to do our jobs, which is, which is true because, you know, we, we know how you know how to do the job better, but unfortunately we do still need the community trust because that's the only power police have over people, right? The only power of me coming up like in uniform to someone and telling you, hey, stop doing this is you as a community member, your ability to like give me that, that respect and that authority. No, I totally understand that. But like when go back to warrants, scooping that guy off the street. Yeah. You know, fuck you, community. That's how we arrest people. And look, no cops got hurt. He didn't get hurt, and he's under arrest. And that's a decision. Yeah, that's a decision that whoever's sitting at the top needs to make and needs to say to themselves, look, if we do this, we're going to get a lot of shit for it, but also we're going to get this guy off the street. Even and you the measure mayor, those. Even the mayor commented on that arrest, that jackass. He even commented on it. <laughs> he, he comments on a lot of things. Well, if I could just go back to that one thing, what happened was uh, he was robbing a bank, but he was robbing this bank and somehow the time went by and um, 
it just so happened that everybody was uh, hunting season was beginning. So everybody was coming into town to get the supplies. So everybody was in town armed with their rifles and they killed Jesse James's gang. And uh, they, they, so my point is this is like, at some point, you know, is the community going to get involved in all this? Is the community going to be the one who's going to uh, assist the police officers and make the arrest in the future? Because you're talking about community policing and what can they do? Mm -hmm. um, at some point, that 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 might be the case, especially in these places that are armed to the teeth. And now you're you're because right now, doing this whole thing, the one thing people don't realize is people that can afford it have been stockpiling weapons. Mm -hmm. Stockpiling weapons. They've sold more guns this year alone than they've ever had. Or people live in gate, you know, people who have money, they live in gated communities with private security, so they don't care. Well, they do, but they stock, but they also stockpiling. And one of those things about the gates is they got to start making better gates because those, <laughs> no, seriously, those two people that were outside their property and those nine people got let go. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they, they charged with uh, trespassing. Yeah. So now since you let them go, the prosecution, you're leaving these people wide open. They're going to win their case anyway. Mm -hmm. There's no way they're going to lose their case. They'll yeah. take it all the way to Supreme Court. They're going to win there. Mm -hmm. But those those people were defending their property. I don't agree with the, the way they came out and it looks ridiculous, but um, they were never in the Israeli army. She would have came out and she would have looked really professional. Well, the, yeah, well in Israel, in, you know, in Israel, we don't we don't have a big like gun culture, believe it or not. Once you're out of the army, you're usually you have to most people is the last time you're going to see a gun. Yeah, this country was founded on guns. It, it was the yeah, only, it's yeah. a different, you know, it's it's a different issue and it has different different meaning here. But, you know, that people have to understand the challenges and see the world through the police officer's eyes. And it's not necessarily going to turn you from hating police into being like a Blue Lives Matter supporter, but at least it will create some some nuance, right? Because the usually the less you know, the easier it is for you to take a side. But the, you know, once you get more information and you that's see like, true. okay, this is that's, what police officers true. feel, this is what they're going through, you know, it casts a little bit of doubt. And that's that's all we can hope for at this point. I'm not looking to turn these rioters into PBA, you know, paying members. Uh, we're looking to give people insight into what, what policing is, who police officers are. So next time they see a video of a cop, they might be like, hey, you know, maybe things are a little more complicated than they seem. Well, one well, of the problems with this was that the, a lot of the politicians took the, the side of the rioters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Cuomo even made a statement. I side with the protesters. What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> who, are you, who are you siding with? You mean the protesters or the rioters? Because many of them are rioting. Who are you siding with? Yeah. Look, politicians are going to do what, you know, what, they, what they're going to do. Yeah, but look at what's happening. Look at what's happening with the exodus of L.A., um, they're all moving. All everybody who you know, they're just moving out of there. So Gavin Newsom's going to be by himself there in a homeless state, and so is New York right now. New York City, everybody's abandoning. Um, I work in the city. It's it's uh, not just the commercial real estate, but you could. There's like thirty eight thousand apartments that you can pick from if you want to rent an apartment. You live in the city. Um, if you want to buy a co op, now's the best time. People are bailing out in droves. All you got to do is weather the storm. But the question is, how long is the storm going to last? And if it's going to come back, because we had somebody on the show here not too long ago, another guest, and said this could take 10 years to, to fix. And you're a big Broadway fan. They just announced, um, 
Bill, you, I'm talking to Bill. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're a big Broadway fan. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just heard that they're not going to come back to June of 2021. Yeah. What wow. the hell is that? that? Really, really sucks. Yeah. What is think that? about the, all the people behind the scenes and the, you know, the stage hands and the marketing and the security and the lighting guy. It's just like 6,700 workers. And, so and you know that Broadway brings in the, the head of security for Schubert told me this. Um, Broadway brings in more money every night than the top 10 New York sports teams combined. Yeah, yeah. Well, themselves in the millions foot. of dollars for the city well, look every what night. It does, though. Look at what it does too. It kills, um, it kills tourism. The flight yeah. coming in for people coming in from all over the world to watch Broadway, the hotels, the yeah, dining. It's going to be a tough, um, it's going to be a tough, uh, you know, crawl out of this for the city. Um, you know, I, I get a little um, triggered, uh, let's say, when people talk about how everything is great in New York because it's not. Um, I still love this city. It's my home. I'm, you know, this is where I live. But, you know, you can't deny that that things are, are different right now. And all you need to do is, is stroll through Midtown. Well, let's say, for example, tomorrow you read because it could happen. Um, three, five, seven shows. I'm going to just make a just a temporary move to one of these states that are wide open. Maybe they'll, 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 there's, a, there's an area there in Colorado we can go or maybe we can go to Texas. And now Broadway's gone from New York because all the companies have moved over there. It's just a building. It's just a theater. They have no obligation to stay here. So they're saying they're going to come back in 2021, but they could have a deal to just move all this shit over to Texas. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know, I, I can't blame them if they do. Uh, you know, people need to need to get their get their work done well you know but, people said uh you know recently jerry seinfeld got into it with the guy from uh the 78th street uh, west side comedy yeah about the guy from west side comedy said the city's not coming back like it did after 9 11 yeah I, I i think it will come back but it's going to take much longer because a lot of people with the money they're not coming back they've had it they've had it with this mayor they've had it with this governor They've had it with crime coming back after it was at the lowest it's ever been. And they're going to be like, I don't have to, I can work remotely. I don't have to put up with the traffic, the subways, the disgusting Look at, stuff. Look at all the, the real estate that goes to flagship stores. For example, on 57th Street, where rarely anybody walks in there. You're talking, who goes to 57th Street to go shopping? But those are the flagship stores for Fendi and Gucci and all these places. And they're just paying real estate there. But now... You're going to take that flagship store out of there. So 57th Street is completely dead. And now, are you, when are you going to put one back? Well, we need reassurances that um, it's safe. And yep. Ray Kelly came out uh, yesterday. I read. Uh, I could have read it today, though, um, that he said the city is unsafe with Mayor de Blasio. And for the former police commissioner to say that, that the city is unsafe, that's just an open, you're just opening the door for all these corporations and everybody who spends a dollar in New York to bail out while they can, because it's going to be a while. Yeah, it's going to be a while. And you also like, you know, also with COVID, right? So if you're a tourist now from Italy or from Saskatchewan, you want to go on vacation, are you going to go to the most dense city in the world? <laughs> um, you know, so it is, it is going to take some time. I see it in my neighborhood you know, on the Upper West Side, that's been kind of in the, you know, in the news a lot lately, because uh, we've had a, an, a few uh, homeless shelters open up here. And, you know, at this point, I think both sides are, are idiots, because 
you know, there's definitely been a change uh, in the quality of life and nobody can deny that. Or, I mean, people deny it all the time, but, you know, on one hand, you have people saying nothing's happening. Everything's great. On the other hand, you have people saying, oh, I can't, I'm afraid to leave my house. And the truth is, is somewhere in the middle, right? So, uh, you know, I think everybody needs to get off, you know, uh, get off whatever side they're on and just kind of meet in the middle and start working on solutions as opposed to. Well, they botched it up. And the worst part of it all is if Biden wins, he's going to make Cuomo attorney general. And that means he's getting a reward for destroying this, this state. Yeah. That's basically yeah. what's going to happen. He's going to get a reward. He's going to get you a- You can always blame it on the mayor, right? Well, that's what he does. I mean, he smacks the shit out of the Blasio all the time. It's it's funny, actually, because the guy deserves it. But he, gets it. he really goes out of his way to like it's like you have a puppy. And every time it acts up, you just smack it right on the right on the snout. Stop it. And then the Blasio stops it for a minute and then he keeps going. Well, and whatever happens, whoever wins the election or I think it's going to be a, a rough few weeks or months for for officers and you know I, I don't I don't envy anybody um who's gonna have to deal with with that because I think there's definitely gonna be a lot of angst we're all gonna have to deal with it well every, everything is gonna get screwed up for a while until especially since we have this election right now where they're now pray come, for a giant snowstorm storm November 1st the outcome of the election is not going to be something that's going to be decided that's not that night yeah. everybody's talked about it so now if it's not that night, if it's not the next week, now we're dragging on a month trying to figure out who the president of the United States is. It's happening. It's like in the when people... Can you imagine when you grew up, when you went to elementary school, high school, that this would be America of 2020? That <laughs> we won't Look, I'm, an, I'm an immigrant to this country. I, I'm, you know, I came here for the American dream. I, I still yeah. love this country. I think it's the greatest country in the world. Um, but it, it's hurtful to see... Uh, what's going on right now. It's and, and I think I also think you can't underestimate the effects of COVID. Everybody's stressed out. Everybody's looking for meaning. Everybody's looking to be part of a group. Um, so, it, you know, nationally, but also internationally, I, I see it in, in Israel as well. You know, there's a lot of protests. People are, are very, very angry at the politicians. You know, there's a lot of raw emotions out there. Yeah. It's disheartening, especially when you watch uh, when you're on social media. And then you see other states that are completely wide open. And you're looking like, what, what's the date of that picture? Does, I don't see a mask. I see people all at a bar partying. But, <laughs> you know, like, okay, how much higher are their numbers that are? are there, they're not higher? What are you kidding me? You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So we don't really know what we're doing right now. You feel like you're being strangled by the government if you live in one of these um these states that, you know, they're, they're sputtering. They're sputtering and relentless. I know it's a dense population. But a, a lot of these places have to, they're not going to exist anymore. Yeah, it's, it's really tough. And, and I, I, I rarely say this, um, but I, I, you know, I feel bad for some of the um, politicians as well, because they're, they're saying, you know, hey, we have no idea what's going on. We're going to have to make a decision one way or the other. And no matter what we do, people are going to get screwed over. But, you know, that's everybody the thinks of, they have that's the nature of being a cop. That's the nature of being a politician, you know. Yeah, it, it happens, you know. You know the uh, the what what's the Teddy Roosevelt uh, man in the arena quote, right? Yeah, like yeah. you know, I, I can't can't quote it verbatim, but basically saying that it's the the person who's actually doing the work, making the the hard choices. That the that's the person that counts, and all of us can sit on the sidelines and you know talk shit. Yeah, and Monday morning quarterback and just say, oh, you shouldn't have done it that way. 
yeah. Speaking of quarterbacking, I got a guy to our show right now in the into our closing segment. Before we do that, I have to uh, make an announcement. Uh, we have a new Patreon subscriber, Bill. Oh, no kid. Oh, my God. We'll eat next <laughs> month. We'll be able to eat. That's how, that's how good we're doing. We, we, when we get a new one, we ring a bell. Ding, 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 ding. But uh, to those uh, if you, people that are tuning in, we're asking that if you want, if you're really enjoying the show, please subscribe to our Patreon. We have three tiers and um, you can, you know, we, we, we could use the support. We, uh, we use that money for drugs and alcohol. So it goes into a good cause. <laughs> no, seriously, man, we've been producing this show on our own and uh, coming out of pocket for, for, for a long time now. And we have a lot of followers and it's not that expensive. Bill will tell you about the tiers. We have three tiers and they all have something to do with policing. The first tier costs $7 a month and that's called the bucket. So if you want to be called the bucket, spend seven a month. For $9 a month, it's called Polish My Rack. That's my medals, all right? And I even have a picture of my rack on the site. That's $9. And the premier site for $11 a month is dipped in butter. And we won't tell you what to dip in butter, but you can imagine. And that costs $11. And Mark and I are doing separate shows on Patreon. Mark does a show called One-on-One -on -One with Mark DeMeo. He's had some really interesting... Oh, I got a great guest coming up, man. I'm not going to blow it right now, but I have a great guest. You want to tell us who it is or no? No, no, I can't. I just want to lock it in. Make sure we got it on tape first, and then everybody's going to be happy. This Wednesday, I probably have, and I've had some amazing guests, but on I do a show called Real Crime Stories. I have Barbara Butcher, who was a 25-year chief of staff of the New York City Office of the Chief Medical Examiner. So she was the head medical legal investigator. She's been to over 680 homicide scenes. She went to uh, Thailand after the tsunami. She's one of the world-renowned experts on uh, DOA identification. And wow. guess what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about the Gilgo Beach homicides. So if you missed this, you should just be running to our Patreon right now just to see <laughs> this show. I, I hope get, you can. I hope you can get her drunk before she comes on too. <laughs> I don't hey. think she'll get drunk, but don't forget, I'm not going to blow my own horn. I was a sergeant in Manhattan North Homicide Squad for ten years. I was in the two three squad in the detective bureau for sixteen years. So I'm no slouch either. But I'm I'm interviewing Barbara Butcher, who is a world renowned uh, investigator of death. So this will be an amazing show. Our guest, Yael Bartur, not only is she a digital strategist for law enforcement and in the private sector, um, and a big fan of Broadway, she's also a reluctant triathlete. And uh, I just want to say I respect that. I've been, um, you know, the Roadrunners Club? Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, uh, you know, the New York City Marathon? Mm -hmm. I've been a reserve, unreserved runner for uh, the past uh, 25 years. Really? Yeah. If somebody, if uh, if enough people oh, drop out, you're in. Yeah. If enough people drop out, they call me up. I gotta suit up and come in right away. So. Well, November first. Let's go. Every year, about three. They haven't called yet. Uh, <laughs> they, they keep getting a lot of runners, but if if they have come up short one year, I, I've made the obligation. I gotta go in. So I, I what I do is I carb up. I carb a load for the first uh, for the sick when the race is six months away, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be safe. But honestly, I did it last year for the first time and I wore my NYPD shirt and oh, I felt like a rock star. I was like, 
you know, I felt like a hero for the whole like 16 hours it took me to run the marathon. Or that was wonderful. That was good that you did that. It's a marathon, a bike ride race, and then you got to swim, right? Uh, yeah, the other way around. Okay, so it's it's swimming bike, first. The bike is first. Uh, swim, bike, run. Swim in the Hudson, so that's a whole. Well, you got to be in some unbelievable shape to do that. No, I make up for it with you know beer and ice cream. Yeah, sure. No, you you how much how many miles you run a week to train for this? Um, depends on the race, but um, so I'm doing a half marathon November first, so I did eight miles yesterday. Um, but you know, so you can eat whatever you want. You don't even have to consider that you can't have the uh, fries. I, I, if only that were true. <laughs> I've done uh, two one-six marathons over the last ten years now. <laughs> it's one. Well, point. it's never too late. Three blocks. <laughs> <laughs> For the bus. Me, I, I had a new hip last year. There's no way I'm running any. Oh, so you're good. You can start. You can start from scratch now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got a brand new hip. I'm gonna I wish I had a new hip. Are you kidding me? I'm get this thing oiled up. Bill is a Zumba instructor. <laughs> I could see him doing uh, yoga. Online. He does it online. He goes. He's got... Oh my god! I, right, I'm thank so, you. I'm so un. You know, I'm not limber at all. I'm not. I'm definitely forget it. There's a group now that does yoga for cops, by the way. Oh, wow. oh yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's a, yoga for cops. That's pretty cool. Is it a good place to meet the opposite sex? Yoga for cops? Uh, actually, I think men should all go to yoga because it's only women. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm the guy, class, I'm, I, I would no... never do yoga. I'm the type of guy that goes into, I haven't been to the gym in six months. I threw 15, 315 on a bench. Bang out three reps and I walk out. That's how I do it. <laughs> oh, got it, kid. Still bench, you can still bench 315? No. Are you kidding me? Ah, <laughs> that's I knew. I was like, come on. Yeah, see, I can barely right. like lift up my couch if I need to clean under it. So. Well, thank you so much for being our guest, Yal. Uh, we really enjoyed having you. It was very, very informative. I did learn a lot, which is rare. Um. <laughs> Yael, thank you so much. You were fantastic. Thank you, guys. Anytime. You're welcome back anytime. The, the best of luck. Why the Thank NYPD you. hired you? you know? Thanks. I can see that. And we'll talk again soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Be Bye. safe. Thank you very much.